We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always an honor. Today is Thursday, July the 9th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1609, Emperor Rudolf II granted religious freedom to Bohemia. I mention that for two reasons. One, I'm going to talk a little bit about freedom of religion today. But the Associated Press and other news services that put out these this information that I research every day for this program are using the term freedom of worship, not freedom of religion. I look back a few years at the same sources, and just a few years ago they were they had logged in on July ninth, whatever day of the week that happens to be. They had logged in that Emperor Rudolf II, he was part of the Habsburg family, that he had granted freedom of religion. But somewhere over the last two or three years, Associated Press and all the other news sources that report these kinds of things have now changed the words to freedom of worship, not freedom of religion. I'll come back to that a little later. Today, on July 9, <clears throat> July 9, 1776, the Declaration of Independence was read out loud to, to uh, General George Washington's troops in New York. I'm going to come back to George Washington in a moment as well. Today, in 1850, President Zachary Taylor died in office. He was 65 years old. He died from an intestinal bacteria of some kind. Early reports said that he had eaten too many cherries. Honest, they did. They said that, but it wasn't that. I grew up in a, on an orchard in the Yakima Valley, and boy, during the cherry harvest, I ate a lot of cherries. I never died from it. Sometimes I thought I was going to, but cherries can affect you if you eat too many of them, but it wasn't that. But anyway, Millard Fillmore, he became president. He was the vice president. Today, in 1937, a fire at 20th Century Fox's film storage facility in Little Ferry, New Jersey, it was Destroyed by fire, most of the studio's silent films, the masters, were destroyed. That's why you don't see many of the silent films anymore, even in historical uh, works. You see the same ones over and over again because most of them, and there were quite a few made, most of them were destroyed in that fire. Today, 1943, during World War II, the Allies launched a amphibious um, attack called Operation Husky. They invaded Sicily. Today, 1992, Democrat Bill Clinton, he tapped Tennessee Senator Al Gore to be his running mate. Most people, the experts, said Bill Clinton could never win the election. Today, in 2004, a Senate Intelligence Committee reported that, um, and the CIA that the CIA had 
provided unfounded assessments of the threat posed by Iraq. Those assessments were used by President George W. Bush's administration to justify going to war. So they had been given, the president had been given some false information. Five years ago today, South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, she relegated the Confederate flag. It was flying on the grounds of the Capitol to the relic room after the legislature passed a measure removing the flag from the grounds of the state house, And that came in the wake of the murder of nine African-Americans at a church Bible study. Remember them? They were sitting around a table studying the Bible, and this guy joined them, and they were very open to it, and then he ended up shooting all of them. That was a tragic, tragic moment in our history. Paul wrote to the Romans, chapter 8, and he's talking about living this life now, but he's talking also about eternity. And in verse 6, he said, for to be carnally minded is death. And he explains what that is in many of the following verses. But the other part of that sentence says, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I think everybody on this planet is in their own way, in one way or another, looking for life and peace. And ultimately, life and peace can only be found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no life, there is no peace outside of that. There is an existence, and there is a calmness from time to time. But there is no real life, and no real peace, unless we are spiritually minded. And specifically, that means that we are in the Word of God, and that we, we are in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you want to have peace in these very, very troubled times, and these are troubled times, make no mistake about it, you will find that peace in the person of Jesus Christ in a relationship with Him. I got this letter just a few days ago. It says, Pastor Gary, this is from a, a listener, Pastor Gary, As a listener for some time, my question is, what would be an appropriate prayer asking to be included in the rapture? Thanks again for all you do and for keeping us informed. You would be surprised. We talk about the political issues of our time. We talk about the culture. But every day I I try because I am a minister, been a pastor and all for many years, ordained my, an ordained minister my entire adult life, but I just normally default to the scriptures because that's the only truth that exists, really. And so there is that thread in what we do, and it's there purposefully. You would be surprised, even though we talk a lot about so-called politics, we talk about the culture, we talk about a worldview, biblical worldview, you'd be surprised how many people ask about the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And ultimately, that is the most important thing. That's more important than who's president. That's more important than what Congress didn't do again today. It's more important than everything. So I, if you listen often, you're probably, the 
person who wrote that letter is probably listening today. Thank you for writing, because I'm going to answer your question right now. And to anyone else who is wondering, how can I prepare to meet God? What should I do? What's an appropriate prayer? I'll tell you what it is. And this is based in Scripture. But to be prepared to meet God and to be caught up with the Lord, as the New Testament teaches, and to spend eternity in heaven, the appropriate prayer is so simple that many stumble over its simplicity. But it is it is a prayer that simply says, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you gave your life on a cross and you, for my sins. And I believe that you were resurrected from the dead. I ask you to come into my heart to forgive my sins and give me eternal life. And that prayer, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that prayer brings you into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and your eternity is set. And you will be caught up to be with the Lord in the rapture should it occur before you die. And if you if you die and you've accepted Christ as your Savior, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That seals it. You're with the Lord. So that's the prayer. And I would encourage you, and I, I hope the person that wrote this letter, I hope you're listening today. I I think you probably are. And that that's an answer to your question. And to anyone else who is perhaps religious or unsure about what, you know, how this all works, Christianity and the Bible and eternity and heaven and hell and all of that, that's how it works. A very simple prayer of faith, asking Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and come into your heart. You confess with your mouth that you are a sinner. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. You believe in your heart. You accept Christ, and your life is forever, eternally changed. You don't become perfect. At least most of us don't. Only Jesus is perfect. But your life is just fundamentally transformed by the power of God. That's what the gospel is all about. So that's an answer to that question. I also want to thank all of you, including that person who supports this ministry. Thank you for supporting it. These are difficult times, and you know that. Thank you for standing with us. We need your support. We need to hear from you in the Seattle area. If you're listening, if you believe in what we're doing, please stand with us financially. All across central and eastern Washington, thank you for standing with us. Please continue to do so. If you haven't been, but you believe in what we're doing, this is the time. We need you. Thank you. Our address in Tucson, Arizona as well. Thank you for your support in Bakersfield. Thank you. We need you to stand strong with us. We need to hear from you. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. The Pennsylvania Assembly ordered the ringing of the Liberty Bell to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the Quakers. 
and their leader, William Penn, found the colony. Fifty years later, in 1701, they said, let's ring the, ring the Liberty Bell. They had written the Charter of Privileges. It was kind of the first constitution for the Quakers here in America. They were the first and the strongest voice to end slavery. In 1751, Pennsylvania's assembly declared a year of jubilee, and they commissioned the bell to be put in the Philadelphia State House. The speaker was Isaac Norris. He read from Leviticus chapter 25, verse 10, And ye shall make hallow the fiftieth year, and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee. A jubilee in the Israeli calendar and then their plans was after seven cycles of seven years, that was 49 years, there would be a Sabbath year of release. I'm sure you've read this in the Old Testament or you've heard it. Slaves would be freed, debts would be forgiven, lands would be returned to the original families who owned them. All of this was to demonstrate that the mercies of God. That's why inscribed on the Liberty Bell are the words from Leviticus, Proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. To say that America doesn't have a religious founding, a Christian founding, is ludicrous. I don't know how people can say it with a straight face, but they do. But the facts are overwhelming. It's like a tsunami of truth that America was founded by Christians for religious liberty, primarily. The Liberty Bell weighs about 2,000 pounds. It was cast in England in August. I think it was 1750 or 1752. But it got its name from being rung on July 8, 1776, to call the citizens of Philadelphia together to hear the Declaration of Independence. It was was read out loud for the first time yesterday, 1776. I mentioned that. But a copy of the Declaration was then rushed over to George Washington in New York. He was leading the Continental Army, who would ultimately defeat the strongest, most sophisticated military complex on the planet. It was Great Britain. Washington got the Declaration, then he immediately appointed chaplains to each regiment. And what I wanted to share with you on this point is that It's interesting what Washington said after he had the Declaration read to the troops. They read it out loud to the troops. Washington appointed chaplains to each regiment, and then he explained why. He said, officers and soldiers attend carefully upon religious exercises. The blessing and protection of heaven are at all times necessary, but especially so in times of public distress and danger. The general hopes and trusts, he said, George Washington, that every officer and man will endeavor so to live and act as becomes a Christian soldier defending the dearest rights and liberties of his country. This is how America was launched. And there are a thousand stories or more that I could tell you about how this nation came to be what it is. And it was all based on just an innate need, a desire, a passion for religious freedom. That's what it was about. 
Yesterday, we heard that the little sisters of the poor won a Supreme Court battle. Seven years. Seven-year battle to avoid being forced to provide birth control through their insurance. That would violate their religious faith. They're Catholics. It's a Catholic charity. It would would violate their conscience. So the high court ruled yesterday, seven to two. But the two, the two dissenters, are promising there's more resistance to come from the people obsessed with killing and discarding unwanted, unborn children. And to do so, they will kill religious liberty to the degree that they have to, to be able to expand the whole abortion agenda. This case speaks to a broader war against the First Amendment as well. I want to talk to you about that for a few minutes this morning. The backstory of this case is this fight, fight goes back seven years ago to the implementation of the Obamacare of Obamacare in 2013, when Obama administration required religious groups to provide contraceptives through health insurance <clears throat> they provided as employers. Now, that was a big issue. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was a big issue with Clinton uh, and uh, Hillary and with Obama. The Little Sisters of the Poor, they're a Catholic charitable organization. They're serving impoverished, um, they say in their on their website, elderly people, other disenfranchised people. They help the ones that perhaps are the least helped sometimes. Well, they fought back in court because of their religious beliefs. When President Trump took office in 2017, he immediately issued an executive order that required the Department of Health and and Human Services, HHS, to create new rules that would protect religious groups from this kind of assault under the First Amendment. Democrats push back hard. They say they're, you know, religious, and Nancy Pelosi's always talking about the Bible and all that. They're not. They're not. They're false in their claims because they deny everything they say they believe with their actions. They do not follow the laws of God or the truth of God's Word. They just don't. And that's not a political statement. That's a spiritual statement. So anyway, they pushed back hard. A lot of them did. Pelosi was certainly one of them, but a lot of them did. They sued the Trump administration, these new rules about that in particular, that protected the Little Sisters and other religious organizations that share similar religious beliefs, pro-life, and so on. You know, we we sometimes forget that this has a commercial or a secular component as well. But did you know that there's about 350,000 religious congregations in America that operate schools and pregnancy resource centers, soup kitchens, drug addiction programs, homeless shelters, adoption agencies? These efforts serve about 70 million Americans every year. That's about a third of the nation every year. And if you were to to quantify the value of what churches and and schools and religious organizations do, it would be over a trillion dollars a year that these organizations, like the Little Sisters and all of the others, Catholic, Protestant, whatever, it would be if, if their contribution to the economy of the country is about a little over a trillion dollars every year. That's amazing. And the 
reason they do it is not to contribute to the economy, it's to contribute to the kingdom of God. But the byproduct of that, of religious freedom, and the exercise thereof, contributes about a trillion dollars to the economy every year. It covers all people of all... I mean, religious freedom is for Christians and Jews and Muslims and agnostics and atheists. I get so upset at the atheists, but they have the right to do what they do. They go out and try to take down everything that's religious. The religious apparatus that's woven into our documents in America give them the freedom to fight the very thing that allows them to have the freedom. I mean, how stupid can you be? But atheists don't think very well. They don't. C.S. Lewis made that abundantly clear after he came to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But efforts to repress religious freedom is not just an attack on individual liberty and human dignity and religious freedom, but it's on the very foundation that has made America strong and made America what it is. So anyway, this fight with the Little Sisters has been going on for seven years. The court's majority ruling came out yesterday. It was announced about the time that I start this program every morning live at 9 a.m. on the ACN stations. Justice Clarence Thomas, he wrote in the ruling, he wrote in on the favorable side of religious freedom. He wrote about the authority, about regulations, about protecting religious faith, about canceling the nationwide Obamacare demand. I, don't, I wouldn't read all that he wrote. He wrote quite a bit. But a part of what he said, he said, for over 150 years, the Little Sisters have engaged in faithful service and sacrifice, motivated by a religious calling to surrender all for the sake of their brother. They commit to constantly living out a witness that proclaims the unique, inviolable dignity of every person, particularly those whom others regard as weak or worthless. But, Clarence Thomas, Justice Clarence Thomas wrote, but for the past seven years, they, like many other religious objectors who have participated in the litigation and rulemakings leading up to today's decision, have had to fight for the ability to continue in their noble work without violating their sincerely held religious beliefs. He goes on, he said, we hold that the department, this was toward the end of of what he wrote, He said, we hold that the departments had the statutory authority to craft that exemption, as well as the contemporaneously issued moral exemption. We further hold that the rules promulgating these exemptions are free from procedural defects. Justice Alito, he agreed, and he was even more direct than Thomas, although Thomas was very direct. He said the the fight, he said the the nuns fight for religious freedom. He said, he called it a legal odyssey. He said, the legal odyssey has got to end, but it won't end. It's not going to end. And Alito knows that because the secular left has little to no value for the First Amendment if it intrudes into their vision and agenda for America. And that's where we've come from the William Penn and all the the Quakers and and, uh, the Puritans and all these guys that came to America back in the day. From then to now, the First Amendment has become the enemy to the left, the so-called progressives. And that's what we're dealing with today. The progressives have, have provided to us a display 
of manifestations, none the least of which is these thousands of people running the streets of our cities, burning and looting and breaking, and while the city elected officials stand there and go, wow, this is freedom in action, until they are pressed by businesses and by powerful people who elect them to office, then they start to say, well, we're going, we can't have this. They're like schizophrenic. They're pra- Jenny Durkin, the mayor of Seattle, is an outstanding example. She could be the poster child. She's praising them, and this is a summer of love, and all that junk she was saying just a few weeks ago. And then all of a sudden they flip, like a schizophrenic, and they're all of a sudden they say, well, we can't have this. Oh, they're, they're, we, we've got to bring this under control, and on and on and on. Because they don't know what they believe. This is not a personal attack, but it is a spiritual attack. These people don't know what they believe because they don't know what they believe. That's what a progressive does. They don't know what they believe from day to day. They have no fixed path. There is no moral compass for progressive. Something is wrong because the herd says it's wrong or whatever. And that's what we're seeing in our country and in our world today, but particularly in our country. So Bader Ginsburg and Kagan, both extremely liberal activists on the court, they say that they're going to bring about more litigation toward the little sisters of the poor. They say more litigation, I'm quoting them, they both said this, more litigation is needed from the lower courts. We need to decide if Trump's HHS regulation was, and I'm quoting These are justices on the Supreme Court of the United States. They now want to litigate to see if Trump's executive order was arbitrary and capricious. So they're going to drag these little Catholic nuns through another probably four, five, six, seven years, if they have their way, of court and litigation to find out if Donald Trump's regulation, executive order, to protect these women and their religious freedom was arbitrary and capricious. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the Obama appointee Sotomayor, they said this leaves women workers to fend for themselves to seek contraceptive coverage from sources and absent another available source of funding to pay for contraceptive services out of their own pockets. This is the Supreme Court of the United States are bemoaning the fact that women might have to buy their own birth control pills. That's now a right. That isn't the right that God gave us. And this isn't about birth control. It's about religious freedom, for goodness sakes. The mantra of the secular left is that women are... We don't need men. We don't need help. We we can fend for ourselves. I mean, that's their motto. And now they're saying, but we, we might have to buy our own birth control pills. What, what shall we do if we have to pay for them? Good grief. That is the idiocy of progressivism. When you fold your Bible and put it away, or worse yet, burn it and get rid of it and say it doesn't it isn't worth reading, that's what happens. That's how we got to this point. Yesterday... Pastor Jack Graham, he's pastor of the largest, probably the largest church in America right now. He said, make no mistake about it, the same um, archaism that wants to erase American history and heritage will be coming after biblical history next. 
He's right. It will. I'm out of time, but we'll continue right here tomorrow. So thank you so much for being with me. The fight for religious freedom will continue. See you tomorrow.